Yo. 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 I don't know. I'm trying something new, I guess. Always Yo. Something new. Yo. Welcome Yo. to the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. Uh, this episode, we have a record that's, uh, you know, it's surprising to me how sentimental this record is to a lot of people. Uh, I guess I'll jump right into it and say that I, I'm in a group chat. I'm, dude, group chats are on fire in 2020, right? We I was going to say. Fun. Yeah, group chats are like a thing. And I'll go on record as saying that group chats are the worst thing to ever happen to bands. Mm. <laughs> um, because it depends. It nope. depends. Because nope. no, well, listen, my I have one with the one up dudes, and it's never no never drama, never. Yeah, argues. but you had that as a group chat before the band That's stuff true. started get getting back into That's true. it. I've had group chats with bands and uh, it is just too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, what I, I remember, mean? I remember yeah. easy creatures had one and Mark, <clears throat> you know, those guys were older than me. Uh, like I like to bring up with you guys, same thing. But they were like 10 years older, you know, maybe not as advanced with technology as someone like even in our bracket. Right. And Mark would like not know that you could mute the chat and he'd be working and he'd just get pissed. Cause like, we'd be like sending memes and stuff. And he would constantly leave the chat. <laughs> it, was, it was always funny. It would just be like, you know, left the chat. But yeah, I agree, Hav, now. Thinking okay, so it. I'm in a group chat with uh, my dudes, Don, Dan, and then Nathan Bean, who is a, uh, one of the premier members of the UK hardcore scene, in my mm. mind. Um, he sings for a band called Rotten Hell. And uh, he does a zine called Trapped Nerve. Both are wh which, I mean, Rotten Hell is one of my favorite hardcore bands, to be honest. And um, he texted the group chat and said that he basically thanked me, thanked us for doing the Judge episode because the part where Mike talks about the fucked up kids gravitating towards Judge just like yeah. struck him and made him emotional. And then Don chimed in he's like i got emotional and you know normally when we when we do podcasts sometimes in the conversation when people talk they're thinking and you get a little bit of dead space right i tend to edit that dead space out of there just to make things flow better i knew that i could not edit mike judge's cadence because his the pauses in his speech were there, like just were, were punctuating and they made that conversation so much more impactful. Um, and I gravitated towards judge. I don't want to say more so than say a youth of today or gorilla biscuits. Cause let's face it. That's like the, that's like the, <laughs> the beginning of the Mount Rushmore of revelation records yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. If, if you were to put those three bands in front of me and say, hey, you can only pick one for the rest of your life, I would pick Judge. And so this episode, we're diving into the next Judge record, which is Bringing It Down.
right? Yeah, Rev 15. Mm-hmm. One of the well, best hardcore LPs ever written. Easily. I, I agree. Yes. And the conversation, so we, we, for full disclosure to everybody, we just did the whole, both episodes in one sitting. And we did it in chronological order. And we set out and said, we don't want to talk about too much about Chung King. We don't want to talk about the storm too. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just, let's stay on task and talk about the seven inch and then bringing it down because there's a whole, there, there's so much more to this story, yeah. right? Uh, uh, the judge story. For one and two is that we're going to have a chance to discuss all that anyway. Yeah. Um, and, so. and, and I hope that when we get to the storm too, that we can bring the other guys in agree the conversation. I would like to. Um, all it's right, a heavy so, record. Yeah, thanks for letting me get that off my chest, you guys. <laughs> no, it's, that, that it's was good. a good intro. <laughs> and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll um, I think, talk a little bit more about our personal connection at the end. Yeah. Because um, this one definitely, you know, has stuff we can talk about. Um, but I guess before that, I would say it might be time to... What's up, Revelation Records fans? Joe from Hellminded Records here to fill you in on some of the killer records we're churning out. So stick around for just one minute and I'll drop some info on how to win a free Shades Apart test press along with a special coupon code for our web store at hellmindedrecords.com. Kicking things off is the first record in 19 years by New Jersey's finest power trio and former Revelation recording artist Shades Apart. Mixed and mastered at the Blasting Room, Eternal Echo is a 10-song shredder which is now available on limited Blue Ocean Waves and Black Vinyl. Keep an eye out in 2021 for more coming from Shades Apart. Next in line, the first release in over 27 years from legendary New Jersey hardcore unit No Escape. Featuring Tim Singer of Dead Guy and Kiss a Goodbye along with Steve Cordello of Turning Point, this brand new six song 12 inch is due out late January 2021. Pre-orders begin early December 2020 at hellmindedrecords.com. On deck for spring 2021, we've got several killer releases in the hopper, including the debut LP by South Philly's crossover thrashers, Honey. Featuring Jay Laughlin from Turning Point on guitar and vocals, this record is for fans of Power Trip, Iron Reagan, and Mind Force. And that's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hellminded Records, and sign up for our mailing list for a chance to win a free Shades Apart test press. You can also use the code WHEREITWENT to save 10% on any order between now and November 30th, 2020 at hellmindedrecords.com. So um, that was our friends Hellminded Records uh, with the commercial. Um, and uh, they got a lot of cool stuff, as you heard on, the, on, the, uh, on said commercial. But something was just announced uh, today, actually, in, in, in the real world. But by the time you hear this, it'll be old older news, but uh, my old band one up that I reference a lot on the show, um, you know, just because of whether it's not, whether or not it's, you know, an influence by these bands because we, we worshiped the early rev catalog or covered songs or whatever. So uh, hell minded's going to do a discography for us. Uh, that'll be out in the summer and a more of a connection to the pod is that our dear Jason will hopefully be doing the, layout so yeah. keep, keeping it in the where it went family but yeah, i'm really excited uh because a lot of those songs never came out on vinyl and people seem to be really responsive to the news which was surprising to me i honestly thought that like not many people would care so that's neat 
but uh, Hell Minded Records, check them out. Uh, their Instagram at Hell Minded Records. There's a link to the website. They got a lot of uh, cool releases and more stuff coming. So be on the lookout. Um, what else we got, Hav? I think we have some. We have another cool thing happening today that we've never done before. Yeah, we got uh, in our, our friend Andrew Klein, who does a record label called War Records. Uh, he also plays in a couple of bands you might have heard of. This uh, this band called Strife, this band called Berthold City, and uh, a few other bands over the World years. Be Free. Yeah, World Be Free. Um, he played in a band in the 90s called Turndown, huh? like a melodic pop punk band. And uh, just all, yo, Andrew Klein is a very creative person. And when I look at a record label from a business standpoint and a, like a merch store, Andrew Klein is inspiring and motivating to me. War Records is a uh, very, they just got, they, they do really cool stuff. So Andrew reached out to us and he was like, yo, do you want to do something with terror? We got this new terror seven inch coming out and we're, we wanted to know if you wanted to promote it somehow. So what do we tell him, Greg? So terror, uh, this, there's no pre-order for this. It's just out by the time you hear this episode. Um, that's uh, when the record, that's the announcement for the record. And it's called Sink to the Hell. It's a four song seven inch um, that basically they, um, after the lockdown in March of 2020 due to the global pandemic, uh, Terror began to look through our archives for lost and forgotten material to shed new light with the aim to stay engaged with the people that have kept this band alive. These four songs on this seven inch here uh, were found in the following months and we're happy to be able to have them on vinyl as part of the complete terror story. So um, these were originally issued on um, like silk screened lathe cut records, you know, sort of playing into what Hav was talking about with the creativity. So now all of that's compiled on the seven inch. I played the seven inch today. It rips, it's, it's terror. Um, it sounds great. Songs are cool. Mm -hmm. um, what else did you do today? Oh, I went, I'll put in quotes, to a terror show. Yes. Um, they had a live stream um, where Dare played first. And in true fashion, I wanted to see Dare. Couldn't find the login. And I caught their last <laughs> song. So it felt like a, it felt showed like up a, late to the show. It felt like a real show. I, I couldn't find the, the code to get in, but you can watch it for 48 hours. So I'm going to watch. They played like a 15 minute set, caught the last song. It sounded really good. Um, and then there was like a little documentary almost might've been previously aired like on keepers of the faith uh, while terror set up and then terror played a, a blistering set with like seven songs from Keepers of the Faith and then um, a bunch of old ones. And it was awesome. I mean, nice. I would rather be at the show up front, you know, but it was cool that I was able to watch like while I'm working. And yeah. um, so this seven inch, the terror, the, the credits on this seven inch are some real fucking heavy hitters, man. Um, you know, mixed by Nick Jet, mastered by Arthur Rizik, who, 
uh, has is really hot right now. He did stuff with Integrity, Code Orange, Power Trip, uh, and he was in Piss Jeans. He, yeah, he, he plays with Cold World, like uh-huh. when when Alex Russin can't play, like he fills in. Um, he's an incredible guitar player too, and, and he also produced. We were talking before the show about Sepultura. Yeah. He did the latest uh, Cavalera conspiracy record, and, and he's no, in the studio with the waist right now. The artwork is by whom, Jason? The art department. My dude, Lennis Garcis. Lennis. Bit up, Lennis. Love Lennis. Lennis did a, uh, so you know the um, the Safari Club book? Yeah. There's a photo of Judge Plain, and Lennis did the backdrop. Oh, shit. It's like in Sharpie, Judge with the hammers, and Porcel bringing it down. Just That's like the great. cover of the record. Yo, this 7-inch, my copy, it's black, and then it looks like it was dipped in this, like, mint. And then you flip to the B-side, and it's just the mint color. That's how mine... I don't yeah. have another record like this. This is yeah. fucking sick. It's really cool. Like, that definitely, nice. um, you know, check check out the record. Yeah. Um, and then um, I just want to give a bit of bow to Scott Vogel and Martin Stewart. Um, I don't really know anyone else currently in Terra, but I've known both of those dudes for a long time, and... I respect their grind, man. They yeah, are just I agree. a staple of hardcore, and um, they mean a lot to a lot of people. So yeah, y- yeah. You can't Scott's Scott's such a great dude. Like I'm glad we had him on for a bit of bonus episode. Mm-hmm. That, I enjoyed uh, that. Be airing, and uh, you know, Terror. I I remember getting the Terror demo on CD. Yeah, yeah. Like Joe Hardcore was selling them at maybe even Fun Rama, Red Cheeks Basement. Okay. And I, I was like, oh, Todd Jones' new band. Like I, I, at that point, wasn't really familiar with Buried Alive. Now, I'm a fan of Buried Alive, but at the sure. time, I didn't, I didn't know them. I, I knew they, you know, I think I might have seen them and didn't remember. And that demo, I was like, oh, this is great. And then, you know, lowest of the low, when that came out, I remember just playing the hell out of that record. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's it's awesome. So yeah, they're they're great. Can I tell you a um, quick terror story? I don't want to yeah. derail the episode too much, but no, people people love what? terror. I'm going to go on record with this story. Um, it can be certified. I was approached by a gentleman named John Lacroix. Ah, uh, who? What bands did he John play LaCroix. in? What that bands did he play in? Jason Ten Yard Ten Fight. Yard fight. So LaCroix was living out here in California. LaCroix actually introduced me to the gentle art of jujitsu. We hung out a lot. Um, Good dude. Uh, And he's like, hey, I'm going to start this new band. Um, And this kid, Chris Jones, is going to play drums. Chris Jones played drums in a band called Breaker Breaker. I remember them. Bridge Nine. Yes, I remember them. And so... He's like, okay, you on bass, me on guitar, Jones on drums, uh, Chris Jones on drums, and then Scott Vogel is going to sing, and it's going to be called The Terror. And I was like, sick, man. Like, that's great. I love Vogel. You know, like, that sounds cool. I love hardcore. Let's play. Well, as we all know, it didn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that just... I don't. I think it it really never went beyond conversation, and I'm sure that Lacroix and Vogel were, you know, in talks for because I think Vogel, that's right when Vogel moved out here, and you know, it just 
I'm sure then Vogel met up with Todd Jones and probably made and Todd brought Nick such a ripper, huh? Nick uh-huh. Jet, you know, yeah. from so I think the only no, not I think the only guys from the original are Nick Jet and and Scott have been in the whole time. But I gotta tell you, terror um terror is like ACDC to me. And I mean that like I love ACDC, so that's that's not an insult. Like you know what you're gonna get. There's variety. They have a formula and they're really good at what they do. And they're yeah. good at sticking to that formula without being boring. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do because, you know, especially when you're changing members like they've changed. So just a huge, huge respect to them for just still doing it. And like even their latest record was, you know, really good. And, and yes. this seven inch. So, yes. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, we're going to, so we're going to debut a song from the record. Uh, if you stick around after the interview, uh, a song, the title track sync to the hell. So yeah. Awesome. Um, www.war-rec.com. So anything else you guys got? Uh, I got a couple things. If anyone go. wants to go before me. Yeah. Uh, let me Jason. just go real yeah, quick. Go in. Go in, Jason. Uh, I just want to bit about Tony Repman because I just went through all these articles that he had written about Judge and interviews um, with Judge on Tim McMahon's site, Double Cross. So bit of bow to all those people that have interviewed Mike before um, because, you know, it was nice to get that information. And then also it was awesome to rewatch the documentary. Mm-hmm. That documentary is great. Yeah, bit about Tony Rettman. I, I have and, a real challenge with reading things on the internet these days for some okay. reason. Um, I, I just wish that that was like in book form. So we're just going to remind Tim McMahon once again that oh, yeah. he needs to make I, double I'm cross into you. a book. <laughs> and if and he has to do a couple volumes. He's, whatever. You know. whatever. Hey, Tim, I'm just throwing it out there. Whatever help you need, we three yeah. will help you. Absolutely. It would be sick. Yeah. It would. Um, because Javier, I actually, I, I was wondering why a lot of times I don't read stuff online. And I think I'm in the same boat as you. Like if it's a book, yeah, I'm way well, more prone to read it. But like I'll, I'll read an Instagram post or like a blog or something maybe on my phone, but it's just, yeah. it's so small and it's right there and we're so easily distracted. And then when I'm like at my computer, I just, I'm, I don't know, I'm busy doing other stuff. So yeah. I, is this, is it av- available on the Kindle yet? Can I, <laughs> my e-reader, my EPUB? Kindle. Double well, cross Kindle edition. Well, one of the sources was Rump Shaker Zine, which is an actual zine. Yes, oh, I he, have. Uh, yeah. Eric Weiss, he interviewed Mike sure. Judge. It's an awesome interview. It's pretty lengthy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also, of course, Norm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the antimatter uh, interview with Judge is great. We actually yeah. referenced that in the upcoming interview. And anything Norman Brannon, I'm sold. I'm oh, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah sure. for sure. Jason knows I'm a super fan. I'm a super fan also. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, what else you got, Jay? Uh, bit of both too. I just, Hob kind of touched on it briefly. And I feel like I would be missing the opportunity to say for all the people that are not just um, born straight edge that are struggling with addiction and trying to overcome adversities that love judge that they're on the right path. Yeah, so, so get yeah. a bow to them. Let me let me share. I don't know if you guys know my 
my trajectory with sobriety. Um, I was introduced to straight edge in 1992 and I stayed straight edge until meh, 2001. And I think that the catalyst for me to stop being straight edge was being kicked out of a band that I was in. It kind of drove me to a dark place. Okay. And, you know, from there, like got married, got divorced and just went further and further. And I struggled with substance abuse for, I don't know, man, over a decade. And, okay. and to the point where a doctor told me to, that I had to stop doing what I was doing or I was going to really get fucked up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't stop. I like, you know, knocked off for a while, but you know, it, when you're, you're on a study diet of energy drinks, weed, pills, alcohol, you know, other things, um, it's a hard life. And it, uh, you tend to surround yourself with people who also enable you. Um, I remember, I don't want to get too far into it, but anyway, yeah. in 2014, 15, we started doing yoga very heavily. And then we came into contact with a bunch of Hare Krishna devotees. And we decided, my wife and I decided to just try sobriety again. Yeah. And so I've been now sober for five years, purposefully sober. Um, somewhere buried in the straight edge bylaws, it says that I can't be straight edge because I was straight edge and then I stopped being straight edge. So there are some elder statesmen of straight edge who have told me that I could circumvent this rule. And actually, uh, one of those people is going to be interviewed on this uh, episode he has told me to my face that i am straight edge and yeah. i mean I, what do you like can you argue with that but i will say that it is still once you've been down that dark road uh addiction is a real thing yeah. and it's something that is a, a lifelong battle and that's why people who are in programs they don't say that they're a recovering alcoholic or they don't say anything. They say that they're an alcoholic. I've myself have never been through a program. I have some really good friends who are currently in programs. I have some really good friends who are helping with programs and I have just the utmost respect for those people. Um, luckily I was able to just do it and mm -hmm. continue to do it. And now the hardest thing that I'll hit is kombucha. I know some people even say they can do not straight edge, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's, anyway. I think, I think, you know, I remember reading the interview with Mike um, in the antimatter um, and being like, you know, it's, it's a heavy interview. And he basically talks about how he understands, he never says he's doing it, but he says, you know, he understands why people turn I remember that. To substances. And I think it's a very, um, realized way of thinking like he's he's right like you you definitely you can see why like like javier said situations in people's lives sometimes that seems like the, the best way to just you know avoid it um and yeah there's people like me who i've never done anything so i don't know what that's i mean i'm addicted to other things 
Right. But, That's the thing is like addiction doesn't just have to be to a substance. It could be to merch. Mm-hmm. It could be to uh, gossip. It could be to television, to shopping. It, it, yeah. Addiction rears its ugly head in many, many forms. And, you know, the other thing I just want to end on this subject for myself is that a, some of the worst people I've ever met in my entire life are straight edge the biggest degenerates, the, just the worst of the worst are straight yeah. edge. And then some of the coolest people that I've ever met are fucking stoners or whatever. So like earth crisis says, what are you going to do with that sobriety? You know, it's just the first step. You have to strive to make yourself a better person and really stay sharp. And I fucking, I run a household. I work out a hell of a lot. I do this podcast. I'm a busy guy. And if I was to be nursing a hangover or spending money on booze or whatever, it just wouldn't be able to happen the way that it does. So Mm -hmm. I need to fucking stay sharp for myself, for myself, for my my family, forever. I jumped ahead. Yes. Hob, respect to you and thanks, man. Yeah, for everything that you do, we know we always we call Hob the machine because he stays busy and he's reliable. And I might get it done at the eleventh hour, but I'll still get it done. It always blows my mind. (laughs) So really, respect. That's awesome, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Anything else on the? Um, uh, I wanted. I wanted. You know, I forgot to. I wanted to. I got two. I got two. So you better Um, get in there. I wanted to shout. A bit of bow to uh, John Backlash. Oh yeah, dude! Um, John Backlash is my dude. Yeah, he, I love that uh, guy. I've played in a band with him. He is uh, an outstanding individual. We got those uh, really nice "Listen to Bad Brains" shirts. Yes, yes. The Element collaboration with Element. Yes. So check those out. They're they're really nice. And, uh, there's uh, a whole really good line. I, I think it's hard to find already because it was a couple seasons ago. But the listen to bad brain stuff, I mean, there was like a collared shirt, skateboards, oh, nice. tape, patches, yeah. all kinds of cool shit, t-shirts. And I was, um, I'm really stoked that we got in on that. So bit Same. of mojo on backlash. Love it. Um, let's see who else. And really, bit you of, should listen to bad brains. Yeah. Go definitely. ahead. Sorry to cut you off. Bit of bow to Aran from oh, yeah. Change. Uh, yes. I mean, that, if you haven't heard the Change record and you like hardcore – do you really like hardcore? Because it's fucking sick. So it's that's so one of, good. this is yeah. also one of my shout it's because Aram sent me four <laughs> records and I text you guys and I was like, cause it came from Canada and I was like, Oh, he's just sending me four so that I could send, you know, you guys, your copies too. Right. And you're like, no, those are all for you. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Yo, this record change closer still um it's on react which uh you know we've we we talked on in our conversation about one up the other day which has not aired yet i don't know if i uh can drop that so it's it's recorded not deleted so we can can so (laughs) i I, (laughs) now if it was deleted i'd say maybe we can't announce it so we talked about how i'm just super out of touch with the posi numbers scene and to me labels like react 
and to a degree young blood I, I'm bit of Sean young blood yeah a bit of both Sean young blood a big uh, friend of the pod I'm mm -hmm. just not as familiar with those you know the bands on those rosters but if you're into hardcore at all you fucking know that they they put out a ton of records they put out good shit react is very um you know active but this change record like the cover is embossed it's it looks like a uniform choice record which i'm sure was not an accident mm -hmm. yeah i don't um, think it was it's for me it it checks all the boxes for you know when i when i want to listen to hardcore it hits every single box aesthetically lyrically musically recording everything yeah i mean it's 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 legitimately perfect they even have the little like poem at the end like like the yeah, uniform choice yeah. and unity like really good poem. I, I love yeah i love stuff like that yeah like better and, than the uniform choice poem in and, my uh, opinion. and <laughs> and like it's just super good aram i've known him for almost 20 years excellent human uh he's doing a lot of cool things too like outside you know outside of hardcore with his own job yeah, and career yes, path like yes. helping people yeah. so he's like taking like what he like learned from hardcore and he's parlaying it into an actual career and helping people and and that's so admirable and chris uh posi chris who now he's not on the record um but he plays guitar love that dude too um and uh even dave mitchell who played on the record but isn't in the band he's great and he has a band called tilted that's like a Bob Mould sugar worship. Mm, and nice. it's great. So yeah, those guys are awesome. And this uh, record is, I like this record because it's so not boring. It's so interesting. Yeah. It, I don't want to say it's all over the place, but I mean, there's a fucking reggae part. I love the reggae part. And it works. It's yeah. so sick. That's my and, favorite and, and my only complaint and i've said this before my only complaint about this record is that the songs are short and i wish some of the songs i'm like yo i wish this went on for another minute like i want more of it i want I more of mean. those like, songs because they almost have like a, they have like a hooks to them yeah yeah like, yeah so like hardcore and like it it it's just i told a ram i said this is the best thing you've done and I, I was a big fan of betrayed i was into champion you know when they were around and um i just think he really upped his game on this yeah the this lyrics are great so is if great. you don't have this record well I that's I, you know somebody i posted this on my instagram story and someone was like oh you have four copies is that why i can't find it and i'm like <laughs> Fuck, i don't know um i the sec it's in a second press now on and, like a marble blue or something and i know you can get it through death wish and death wish also has a lot of cool merch for them and what I thought was really interesting about that merch too is that they have long sleeves. One says go vegetarian and one says go vegan. So whatever level of cruelty free you are, you could rep that. And I think that's really fucking cool. Because, I do too, actually. Because I know that some people are afraid to wear, if you're not straight edge, you're afraid to wear a shirt that says straight edge uh, or, you know, go vegetarian, go vegan, whatever. So they got you covered and they look great. And I'm, probably going yeah. to order one from death wish and they have sweatpants too. 
They have sweatpants. So, and oh, hats. change suit, change suit. So you could get a change suit. I, you they have get hats? a change suit. They have hats too, right? Hats. Yo. Sweatpants. Yo. Is it a suit, suit without the hat? It's not. So I was thinking about this with <laughs> suit. To me, necessitates at least two pieces of merch sure. of the same group. So sure. it could be shirt. <laughs> it could be sh- shirt and pants, shirt and shorts, Fair. shirt and hat. You never really see the well, hat I don't. Change. I don't think that shirt and hat is con- constitutes a suit. No, I think that you have no. to have at the bottoms, I and agree. the top, and then the hat is just the cherry on top. If you, if you, yeah, yeah. shirt and hat is just a super fan. Yes, shirt. Yeah, you know what? Let's put it out there for people. Hat when this and comes out, I want yeah. people to comment. <laughs> Do a poll. I, I say, like, I have on. Well, I am wearing the Chromax sweatpants right now from Mission Two, but sure. I have on the the Chromax uh, crew neck and the hat. But to me. <laughs> The crew neck and the hat. I take a picture like this from here up. I tell you, I'm in a Chromax suit. I believe it. I'm in a Chromax suit. I don't suit. think you're even wearing pants at all. <laughs> so, um, a Ram. Oh, I feel like. Oh, we talked about. We mentioned Buried Alive. I wanted to shout out Scott Sprig mm. uh, from Buried Alive. He gave me a couple of the questions that we ended up asking in the judge interview. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. This is his favorite. Uh, the Judge LP is his favorite hardcore record of all time. And uh, he definitely gave me a lot of thought-provoking questions to ask. Scott Sprigg is a music fan. Uh, he I is. Know, he's like a Ryan Adams super fan, if I remember correctly. And he's just a fucking riff machine. Yeah, he, so he, and he definitely, like, we've talked about all kinds of music, mm-hmm. um, uh, about, you know, through Messenger and stuff and, uh, it's just cool. I love when hardcore kids like, like a lot of other stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's cool. Like we were talking about seaweed before and Ryan Adams and you know, all this, all this stuff. So good at both Scott. All right. Before we get into the interview, I have one last shout it. Okay, okay. I got a mystery package and opened it up and it was from someone that I don't know. Um, I mentioned on the turning point episode that there was a photo and I liked the photo so much that I would put it on my wall if I had a print. And so a gentleman named Dave Brown reached out to Jason. If I'm, if I'm putting this together correctly, you got my address and then sent me a print of that turning point photo that's like signed um and the photo also appears in dave's book adult crash 2 which he also sent me um it's a photo book compiled by dave brown of stuff that looks cool i mean Mm -hmm. literally from like 81 to like 2015 it covers everything and it, it, now for people listen is that book still in print if yes get it? he actually told me that he thinks that you can still get it from rev and uh, might have to you grab can also get it through dave brown um and i mean it looks like it's pretty like provincial to virginia um, yeah. there's a lot of stuff from twisters there's this little band called count R. me R. out count me out is in there a few times that's true um and it also came with a seven inch. It's a four band 
one-sided seven inch that's all cover songs and i don't know if you knew this about me but i am a violent reaction super fan and i did not know that there is a recorded version of violent reaction doing victim in pain but it's the first song on this seven inch and it's fucking awesome so it's violent reaction doing victim in pain that's Barge, Rev, that's Rev adjacent right Barge there. Barge doing stabbed in the back, the Nightbirds doing Haunted Town, and then Government Warning doing Deny Everything. Fuck. Oh, that's a good. That's a good. This cop. is a, yo. This package, I I I was just speechless at the kindness of Dave Brown, yeah, and the amount of hardcore contained in like one little box that I didn't ask for someone just sent to me and i love that, that well, actually a- he did send me the prints as well i wanted to thank dave and when they came I, my wife had ordered some prints um you know not turning point prints but uh like star Wars, like cool stuff mm-hmm. and um so i was like oh i think this is yours because i saw this tube and then she's like starts to open it she's like this is addressed to you and I'm, i was like oh and i open it and lo and behold turning point prints in there and I was like, I got to get these framed. And uh, yeah, it was great. The kindness, like people just being so amped on this podcast that like they literally like are like, hey, I think you'd like this. And they they send it is, it's just really humbling. And I do have to shout out, I, I said it on the, uh, on the Patreon episode, but Jason Yo. came through for me with like the craziest surprise package I think I've ever received. Um, because people know, because it's funny when I shared the record, he sent me a wishing well copy of Break Down the Walls. And when I posted it, someone's like, oh, you managed to get a copy because I guess I had mentioned it on a couple episodes yeah. mm-hmm. that I wanted one. So thank you, Jason. Yeah, I, I actually listened to it uh, the other day. Sounds great. Yes. Um, I want to give also a bit of bow to my buddy, Larry. He was able to find me a first press uniform choice. Oh, nice. Uh, with um, the yellow okay. writing on the cover. Yeah. So, well, Man, I guess you. I should put it out there then that I'm on the hunt for a cassette copy of the Storm 2. Okay. For a reasonable uh, price. Hey, I fig- yeah, put it, put it out. Yeah. I figure, put it you know, out I, there. I'm a, I'm a heavy cassette collector. Um, this week I opened a copy of morrissey kill uncle cassette like popped it open like you're still in the shrink wrapped and it sounded fucking awesome and <laughs> as of right now and maybe i'll do like a you know a, a live something five upcoming episodes i have sealed cassette of the album nice for this podcast in the oh, next like six months we, we do have to do that that bonus episodes where we talked to you about Morrissey. No, oh, man. I would like to. Dicey. Dicey yeah. conversation. <laughs> I mean, are we going to talk about how I like Burzum too or what? Might as well. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> we were talking about tapes. I got a bit of Bo Dave Brown from Virginia Beach. He stopped at Vinyl Conflict on his uh, way to Chicago. And he oh, gave the other the other Dave Brown, right? The other Dave Brown. So Bitipo oh, nice. Dave Brown from yeah, Richmond. Dave Brown. But Bitipo Dave Brown from Virginia Beach. And he dropped off the Gorilla Biscuits practice tape that I had when I was younger that I uh-huh. thought might be tied to Chung King. And I think I have to admit defeat and say, it's still lost. That warm milk. Not. It's still lost. 
Yeah, I, you know what? Lost. The Indiana Jones in me just loves that. We're still gonna though. find it. We're still, we're, yeah. we're still, we're still gonna hunt. find it. We're gonna yeah. find the practice tape. We're gonna find insights, Mike, and there we're gonna go. find Zach De La Rocha's phone number. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> <laughs> Come with it now. All right. But you know what we're gonna. You know what we're gonna find right now. A really good interview with yeah. Judge yeah. about bringing it down. Let's go. Enjoy. All right, cool. So we got the the Judge Seven Inch, and it's just you two. It's just Mike and Porcel, and then you start picking up people to form a band. You know, you got Jimmy Yu, and then eventually you get a Matt Pincus and Sammy Sigler, and they start rounding out the lineup that would record "Bringing It Down." And Porcel, a couple days ago, I reached out to you about Matt Pincus and I, you know, because Jason and I had been talking about the 1988 demo. And so I asked you if Pincus had played on the full length or if Jimmy, you actually played bass. And you said that Pincus did. And how old was he when he was in judge? I believe he was 16 when he played on bringing it down. And if you actually really kind of just listen in on the bass that he played, pretty awesome bass playing I've like to always, think a 16 year old kid did yeah that. i've always thought that the bass on bringing it down it's it has a really deep sound to it I it's think, got a great sound Pink yes always had a good sound i don't know it's, what it was it's Just very clear down. it's it's got like a nice kind of pop it's like a little bit of grit and the i mean just the production on the whole album is huge but that bass and to hear that a 16 year old and we've talked to sammy a bunch and we talked to drew and those two dudes were 14 15 16 when a lot of their stuff was going down too how old was sammy when he played on uh, bringing it down i think they're the same age i think they're both i think they were both 16 yeah because sammy told us he was born in 73 i remember all the we get all the guys to spill their secrets huh so it was <laughs> yeah i guess he was, was 16 he yeah, 16, 15, 16, depending yeah. on when. And, you know, here's the thing. Pincus wasn't in the band. Jimmy Yu was in the band. And even before we were recording, remember that, Mike? Like, Jimmy Yu was living in that Buddhist temple that was near the Brooklyn Bridge, right? Was that the one he was living in, Mike? He was, like, he was in that temple right off Canal. Yeah. right near kind of over by Chungking. Yeah, Manhattan yeah. Bridge. And um, he was in possible to get in touch with yeah they had no they had one phone for the whole building and so getting a hold of someone who could speak english and go get him was like yeah hit or miss so we, there'd be we times where we had a, yeah there'd be times when we had a gig and we're like hopefully he's hopefully he's there i'm gonna stop by and try and get him and, you know it was yeah. like <laughs> one of those situations so so it got it got like that it's you know i think it kind of the writing was on the wall that he was getting way more into Buddhism than he was into, into judge. Um, 
and he was just kind of disappearing. We couldn't get in touch with him. We would have to actually physically go there. No one spoke English. And I don't know. I think he just kind of gracefully bowed out at at a real inopportune time because the band was getting really big. We were just about to, to record Bringing It Down. He had a lot to do with writing those songs. You know, I wrote The Storm. And, you know, we came into practice at Don Fury's and it was just like, dan, dan, dan. But he came up with that whole discordant bass thing that really mm-hmm. actually makes the song. Like he yeah, just started no playing and strumming those chords and it was like, whoa, you just made that song. Like, you know, he just like doubled the song. So he had a lot to do with, um, you know, with when we were like writing those songs at Don Fury's and then he just kind of bowed out. And so when we got to, when we were recording, bringing it down, we actually didn't have a bass player. And I just said, okay, I'll play bass on the record. And then we'll just get somebody, you know, whatever, when we, when we want to go on tour. And so we recorded with Tom Soares, who was the engineer. And Tom Soares is like, he's a total perfectionist. I mean, he spent a day just tuning the drums. Drums when sound we, great. When we recorded. Yeah, drums sound great. And so uh, I did all get to, I did the, the main guitars and then i started playing bass and he was just like get the fuck out of here. I, I play bass for like 10 minutes and he was just like, get the get get the fuck out of here get the fuck and i was like what dude i'm playing the songs he's like you play the goddamn bass like it's a goddamn guitar you're not playing anything like bassy you're just a guitar player playing bass this sucks he goes bring me a bass player bring me a bass player <laughs> so matt wasn't even in the band but he played bass and we just kind of like I you know to, I don't even think I knew that he played bass or like anything about him. We just I just remember him being Sammy's friend, and so he just kind of came in blind. And man, the kid crushed it. I was going to say the bass sounds and the bass lines sound great. Yeah, and you know yeah, even that. to this even to this day, you know when uh, you know when Matt can't make the show and we get other bass players. Yeah, Charlie, I've seen play bass. Huh? It never sounds the same. It never it sounds never sound- exactly like Judge unless yeah. we get Pincus on that stage. Yeah. Like we can get Charlie close because we made him buy that uh, that NYC Sans amp that Pincus uses. So right. he kind of he kind of gets the tone, but uh, I don't know. There's just something about the way Pincus plays, the way he moves. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's always better with him. It's funny that you mentioned it, 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 a Sansamp because I played bass for many years in a band and I bought one because I wanted to sound like sick of it all. Cause that, that bass tone that they use on a lot of those records, it's so yeah. like, just like a really nice kind of fuzz. It's not quite distortion, but almost. Yeah. Sansamp is the key to that tone. Yeah. Same thing with Hoya. Hoya's tone comes from a Sansamp. It's, mm-hmm. it's the real deal. Yeah, it's great. You know, when we get on stage with Matt Pincus, it sounds like bringing it down. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. He's just that missing piece of the puzzle. He still has that same bass mm-hmm. that he recorded bringing it down with. And uh, yeah, he, he had a lot to do with the sound on that record also. So Chung King, we're, we, I, we already said, like, we'll, we'll take a deeper dive into that down the line because it's on the discography. But of course, you can't really mention bringing it down without chung king yeah so you guys go in you do chung king everyone knows the story you know i think porcel was on a youth of today tour you and mike ended up connecting 
uh, over the phone or letter or whatever. Yeah. And, we were in Europe. Yet the day was in Europe. Right. And basically saying like, yo, I'm not really happy with the record. So was there, um, was there talk of doing like, was it, were you immediately like, well, let's go to this Normandy sound or did you think about going to Don Fury or, um, I didn't, I didn't think anything. I know that I was waiting for this record and then Al Brown called and said, you know, come to Brooklyn. I got a copy of it. Come pick it up. So I go to Al Brown's cause you could say he's on fucking tour and Al throws it on. And I was just heartbroken at how mm. bad it was. I think I may have fucking cried. I'm not even sure. <laughs> it was just fucking, it was just so disheartening. And there's no way to get a hold of like Purcell because he's, you know, I had to wait for everything. It was just, at that point, I was like, fuck this. Uh, I was devastated. I didn't know how it was going to get fixed. But uh, yeah, because it's, it's, it's a great piece of history. Um, but I mean, I'm of the camp. Of course, you're gonna have the 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 demo was better people like hardcore yeah. folk, people like that. But I mean, bringing they're, it they're down, so wrong. They're yeah, so bringing wrong. it down, bringing it down, <laughs> smokes it. Like I don't, I don't think there would nearly have been that impact. No. If 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 bringing it down, if Chung King had come out as bringing it down. Exactly. Like, I don't like, think the band would have had the longevity if that. If we just let that slide and that record came out. Um, you know, bringing it down really kind of cemented us, you know, into. I don't even, I don't even know who came up with Normandy Sounds, though. I think it's probably Purcell. You know, it, it was me because I loved Best Wishes. Not only did I love, I love Best Wishes and I love the Leeway record. And it wasn't just like they were, they were great records. The sound on them was like ferocious. And I was just thinking, like, you know, Judge is such a powerful band live. If we could just capture that. And we didn't capture it on Chunky. I was like, if we could capture the ferocity of this band, this is going to be the greatest record ever. And so I remember Jordan actually, he ponied up. I, I, think, we were, I, think, we, I think we spent $15,000 recording it at the time, which was like insanity. It was insanity to pay $15,000 to record a record. And I think Jordan paid maybe eight. And I remember I took like $5,000 of my own money and I put it into that recording because it was just like, we got to do something, man. Like Chung King was, Chung King was so um, heartbreaking for us that we just wanted to like do whatever we could to make this record like the greatest record ever. Yeah. And then by and the so time, we, oh, sorry. You know, so... Uh, I emptied out my bank account. I emptied, you know, I went on this like, you know, you know, I I had saved all my money from like years of touring, and I just emptied out my bank account just to, you know, throw in money to get that record recorded. And I'm so glad I did. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds. I love the sound. Like I don't think it's. Like I think it's. It has like a slickness to it, but like mm -hmm. it needs that to 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 bring the heaviness. Um, you know, out in the right way. It, it couldn't be like a, a basement sounding recording. It's just not, you know, it's not going to work. This isn't like, you know, it's not like DYS, the DYS record where that sounds like it's, you know, you know, a, a cheap off the cuff recording that is a timeless, you know, great 
amazing record, like bringing it down had to sound like, like, a, you know, a 10 ton truck uh, coming at you. But um, I guess I was, I was going to ask like, at this point, when you started recording this, I know Youth of Today had been on tour in Europe. You knew Youth of Today was done then too, right? Like at that point coming home. Yeah. So this was like, you know, you're kind of all in at this point. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that probably factored in too. I think there's like some, you know, some urgency there because, you know, we've all, all of us here have been in bands and, you know, like mm-hmm. when one band ends, it's like, well, what do you do? Some people, you know, stop for a while or do whatever and others keep going. It's like, you just kind of, it's like you took everything you had, you know, the energy from youth today and then you could just move it into judge. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. For the LP holding on and no apologies wasn't re-recorded for bringing it down. What was the reasoning behind that or just songs well, left for the LP? I wound well, up where, using where a lyric. Yeah. I wound up using a lyric for where it went from no apologies. And, um, I don't know. I don't think, uh, I loved the, you know, the, um, the other one, I can't remember the name now. Hold, what, not hold me back. Uh, holding on. Holding on. Holding on. Holding on I, I love that song. I, yeah, I love same. the words. I mean, it's a little hard to sing, but uh, I still, I love it. I just, I don't think the rest of the band loved it as much as I did. I really yeah. like the words. I, I, I didn't like the music and I freaking mm. wrote the music. I just thought it was kind of corny. That little lead in it. Well, it's cool then that in a way you got that um, chunking kind of as a demo for yourselves to, you know, kind of weed out songs that you maybe didn't like and then improve on other songs if you wished. And I mean, it's a good experience and uh, it, it gave us, the masterpiece that's bringing it down you know everybody's talking about the the sound the the drum sound on the storm you know when it just yeah. starts in at the beginning like oh, yes man it's so heavy and i i i've read or i've heard that it wasn't really well received at the time by like true hardcore kids because it was so metallic but you know if you if you think about it it it, it really did inspire and influence you know the next generation uh we've we've talked about i've said and someone um messaged me and and said that they were glad that i said it bringing it down was my age of quarrel because i just didn't really chromax didn't resonate with me when i was a kid but judge and bringing it down did this was that record for me that I worshipped. This was the first, the first uh, compact disc that I bought with my own money. This was just like a fucking huge record for me. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people in the world who could say those, maybe those same exact words. So, and I think it had a huge hand in what was to come in hardcore like to to me not even that they necessarily sound like like i don't think you get an integrity earth crisis without judge earth crisis strife strife Mm -hmm. snap case like all that to me is owed to 
judge because it took, um, you know, it, it took that sound of like, you know, the Cro-Mags and stuff that where it's like a bit, a bit of the crossover, but I think it made it more like hardcore kids were more down with it. Um, at least from when, when I was coming up, like this was like, like we, uh, you know, I wasn't people I, you know, that introduced me to hardcore, like weren't really into like metallic stuff, but like judge was the one where it's like, Oh yeah, no, this is different. Like judge is cool. You should listen to judge. I mean, we um, did take a chance. We did take a chance on it. I remember uh, the boiling point guys making fun of it when we first had the tape before it even came out. And they were like going like this and stuff, like making metal pans and everything. And I, I remember thinking like, uh, oh man, it just really pissed me off. Because <laughs> here I was, I was like so proud of that record. And then I was like, man, are people just going to like get on our case about it being too metal? And having right, like, like guitar, you put guitar so solos in, in it and stuff. Put so much into it. And then just... But, uh, I, I don't remember maybe you remember different Mike, but I remember the record being like really well received, even from the time that, you know, right off the jump seemed like people were into it. I don't remember there being any backlash except for like maybe the, you know, the boiling point guys before it came out. No, I just, I remember people digging it. The, the only thing that they w would say was, for whatever reason, the you know the the shitty sound on the Chung King record was you know more punk rock for them or some stupid right. Shit. Mm -hmm. Like that's why I said I I know like some older dudes you know because um, I was not listening to Judge in 1989. Um, I wish I was, but I wasn't. <laughs> um, and uh, you know they'll always say I love that seven inch. I can't get into the LP. Like it's too. It's, it's too far, you know, over the threshold, I guess, of what they wanted. But for me, I love the seven inch, but I'm all about the, the, the LP. Like that's my, to, like when, to when me, I, think I judge. Think, to me, I think bringing it down is the natural progression from, from the seven inch. The, um, the, the Chung King shit, that was just, it was just a mistake all around. Mm -hmm. Shitty studio that treated us like shit. And it was a rush thing because you today was going on tour and it wasn't even it, even if you just take that record, it doesn't sound like a, like a cohesive record, like bringing it down is a real record beginning to end. It's a fucking record. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always going to be purists who are like, Oh, low fidelity is what hardcore is about, but that's stupid bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. That I fucking mean, bring it, that bringing it down record is a fucking good record. And it's, it's fucking son and sonically it's up there with the bands that I fucking was in awe of, you know. I'll put you know, it up there with fucking Chromags and all that shit. 100%. I do too. And I, I same. Yeah. You know, you know what's funny? Tom Soar is the engineer. I recently was like um got back in touch with him. Mm -hmm. And uh he became he went on to become a famous producer. I don't know if you guys know this, but he became first he became an engineer at um Electric Ladyland, which was Jimi Hendrix's studio on 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 Eighth Street in mm -hmm. New York City. And he's worked on like I don't know, like Britney Spears records and like, you know, that type of level pop stuff. Um Erica Badu. Yep. And he went on to do like, you know, he's 
I think I think Jay Z. He worked on some Jay Z records, like Destiny's Child. Come on, Jason. I was gonna say yeah, Jason knows. I pulled Jay- it up on Discogs, and he worked on Rakim's record, and he worked on uh, Destiny's Child. Jason yeah, did that. I mean, once. he was telling me he's got platinum records on you know on his wall at home, and it's funny because he's got like um, he's got this thing that's like a little pr- like it's like a little promo thing where it's got like. 10 seconds of like all of his like really good mm-hmm. stuff that he's done and it's like some pop stuff and like some kind of like weird rock stuff that he worked on and uh where it went is one of his little yes. 10 second things and it's here's yeah. a guy who has like an incredible resume of music that he worked on and yet he's so proud of that judge record that he includes like that record in his like a little sound bite in his like official kind of like resume mm-hmm. and i was that's like awesome. wow that's so cool and like uh, it's same thing with like dave you know dave bet did the design and he's yeah. done design for, you know he's won grammys yeah but like this the design of the lp the layout is like we always use the, the word iconic but i don't really know how else to describe it like that guy this, was amazing i mean even the bold record it's just like oh yeah Hardcore i remember layouts uh, like that I remember when you guys were, you know, tracking the record and, and I wouldn't, I couldn't get off work to like go up there for all of it. So I was just hanging back waiting to do vocals. And I remember like Purcell, like calling me going, yeah, things are going great, but this fucking dude, Tom is like the real deal. And he's kind of a stickler and he's, he, he can be like a fucking dick. So you know, don't, <laughs> don't be like, don't be like put off if he tells you you're doing a shitty job because if you do a shitty job, he's going to tell you you're doing a shitty job. And I was like, ah, you know, fuck this guy. This thing. Like getting all fucking stoked. And I think, I don't know if Sammy told me, I don't know, but I guess you guys like told him to like, not to be too much of a dick to me because I would snap and I might, <laughs> I might hurt him or something. So the guy treated, the guy treated me with like kid gloves, I guess. Everything's great. But he well, did. Was, he, I mean, he did get a good job out of everybody. Absolutely, he did. He did. He he has a very high standard, and he's not going to let you go into that bar. I mean, there were songs that I did. He would make me do it fifty times. He's just like you know. And this is like back in the day where you can't pro tools and fudge things. It's like mm-hmm. you have to actually play it yeah. perfect. And he would sit there and he would literally make me play something fifty times till I got it perfect. Like that was just like the level of. Um, professionality that he I'm waiting for the to. storm to kick in right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, oh, so I, you know, and you know, that record was just one of those perfect songs. It was like Matt Pincus comes in, crushes the bass. Mike sang great on it. You know, here we had this guy, Tom Soares, who like held us to a whole new, you know, bar of performance that we mm-hmm. had like Sammy and me, you know, of actually playing and man, to this day, that's, I'm, I'm super proud of that record. Yeah. yeah no and doubt. what was it like for you playing like actual guitar leads? Cause uh, you know, there weren't really like, this is the first time uh, I think in you've done like actual, like, you know, solos, solos yeah. and stuff. Well, you know, um, for about, probably like six months before we recorded that record, I actually went back and I started taking guitar lessons again. Specifically, specifically for judge, because I wanted 
to up my game of playing to just write better songs. And I tell you, if I didn't take those guitar lessons, we wouldn't have had where it went. You know, we wouldn't have had take me away. You know, that had all those like little kind of like licks in them that I just, that wasn't part of my arsenal at the time. I just didn't have that tool in my toolbox. And so I went back and I took, uh, you know, I took lessons from this guy. And it's so funny because I took lessons from this, this guy that I took lessons from in Manhattan. Um, he was right near, he was right near Sam Ash, like right near the music district, that old music district. And he was such a good guitar player. This guy would literally put like Eddie Van Halen to shame. Like, I can't tell you what an immense monster of a guitar player this guy is. He was like a metal guy, like a rock guy. And, um, so I had taken lessons for about six months and then I was like, yeah, Hey, thanks, man. I'm going to be, uh. I'm not going to be in there. Dude, week. is there a car getting jacked outside or what? Yeah, I think so. It just stopped. And the guy was like, uh, and the guy was like, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be in taking lessons next week. I'm going into, uh, you know, to record this album that I'm, that I'm doing. He's like, what? You're doing an album? And I was like, yeah, you know, we put a seven inch, you know, the record label's paying us to redo this thing. We're off in this big studio, you know, where new kids on the block recorded. And the guy <laughs> just looked at me and he was just like, I've dedicated my life yeah. playing guitar. All I ever wanted to do was be in a band and go on <laughs> tour and make records. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and here I am banging out guitar lessons for $10 an hour and you're out making your record. And he just like, he looks wow. so <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> and sadly, I think that's a story for a lot of it like gu- yeah. guitar teachers yeah. and, and you know, music teachers. It's a bummer. But you, you know, know, this this guy's like a ten thousand times the guitar player that I. I mean, the guy was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but really, he was a, he was a super cool guy, and he taught me in those few short months. He taught me a lot, especially about like um, he taught me about chops, about you know, because in youth today you're just playing as fast as you can. Your hand is just going like this, but Judge is all about you know, like. Uh, you know it's all that kind of stuff with the weird picking and everything and that all came from that guy and um that really kind of took it from the seven inch and it brought it into like that that bringing it down because i had learned all that stuff so i was really glad that i took those lessons did you plan the lp after no I never no. saw him again. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, someone, never saw someone, him. hey, if we could track down Slipknot, maybe we could tra- <laughs> track him down. See if you ever, see if you ever heard it. Get him on a bonus I, episode. I, I don't remember his name or or anything, but yeah, I remember just leaving his place for the last time. It's just like I broke his heart as a yeah. musician. <laughs> You're like, I'm ready. You're like when Luke Skywalker goes off to. Uh, <laughs> it was like I'm, I'm ready. He said, yeah. you're not ready yet. You're like, I'm ready. And you were ready because we hear it on the record, you know? Um, yeah, and, you know, and, and, you know, he taught me pentatonic scales. Basically, in those six months, he taught me how to solo. He taught me, the, he taught me like, just the regular pentatonic scale. Then he taught me how to do the pentatonic scales up the neck. And, you know, we would practice, you know, like, solo things. So by the time we were doing that record, I was actually kind of eager to be like, hey, man, I can actually kind of solo now. Like, I, I want to try to do this stuff. And it was cool. It added a, it added just a whole new kind of like dimension Absolutely. to the record. I mean, Which it, is why, like, I'm looking at this review um, from 
I mean, it's from Maximum Rock and Roll. And oh, it's, it says, I'll, I'll read it. It's like three <laughs> lines. It just says, think New York, think New York hardcore, think New York straight edge hardcore. Here you have it in quintessential form, complete with common chanting vocals and power-filled instruments. How come all these bands sound so much alike? And I'm just, I'm like, that couldn't be more off the mark because yeah, this does not sound like bold does not sound like chain of strength or youth. Well, chain of strength's not New York, but you know what I mean? All the, all the rev bands, like it doesn't sound like anything like that. Um, and I think too, the, the guitar playing is also what set it apart. Um, I was thinking too, with the lyrics, uh, lyrically, this is one of my, also one of my favorite records ever. Yeah, me, I, me I tell too, people, man. I tell me people, too. this is an emo record. This is just as much of an emo record as like the rights of spring or embrace records i mean I, this is, i agree i agree with you one thousand percent man it's Those it's lyrics are freaking fantastic and part of me wants to ask why re-record i've lost but i feel like i know the answer because it fits the mood of the record um and it just i can't imagine the record not having it on there and like this version of it just like mike you know going back to what mike said like it it thematically just fits like it wouldn't be right if this wasn't on there and, and like holding on was or something. And that might be a hot take. I don't know, but I just can't imagine it not being on there. And I'm not usually a huge fan of re-recorded tracks. Like I come kind of like, Hey, yeah, same, you know, you did oh, the well, track. We did it a couple times. Yeah. And, but sometimes it necessitates. And I think this is an instance where like lyrically and thematically it just fits. And the lyrics on here just next level. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's like really emotional and really heartfelt. And uh, um, like, I think from the first, from the seven inch, I was like getting a lot of shit off my chest and unloading a lot of stuff that I was, that I had kept in for a long time. So it came out like, like a car bomb, you know, boof. And, uh, then you know going out and playing across the country seeing what these were how people were hanging on these words i was like i just never knew how important you know a front man was it, you know he says these words he's got to stand behind them so when i was writing for the bring it down record i was like i just got to be i just got to be like a better person <laughs> i don't know how to put it I was basically like, I just can't be a hothead through this record. I, I got to like, because a lot of times when I was being a hothead, it was just because another part of me was just fucking hurting. So instead of just writing from the point of the hothead, I wrote from the part that was hurt. And that's how, you know, a lot of those words came out. Yeah. I think it really, it really comes out. I mean, you know, one of the first lyrics on the record I can still remember the last time I cried, like who's, you know, that's, that's a vulnerable, vulnerable line for someone to, you know, not even just write, like if they're writing poetry, but then to, to sing to a crowd of people who, like we talked about in the last episode are, you know, long haired guys and orgasm jackets and stuff. <laughs> and to sing this line, like I can still remember the last time I cried, like that takes guts, man. But uh, you know those those guys who were like the most fucked up and shit. They 
they seem to be the ones who who got it quick the quickest mm-hmm. they understood yeah it's real yeah it's it, that's what i said just just like with the seven inch but even more so with this i just think the reason it resonates the reason that you know over three decades later we're talking about this record and it sounds still fresh every time it's one of those ones i never get tired of like i can play it when at what no matter what mood i'm in um and i think a lot of that has to do with you know of course the recording and the musicianship but those lyrics are just they're timeless and um they hit hard yeah i appreciate that brother yeah and you know this record jordan uh told us when we were speaking recently that there's he's released so many records and if he were to celebrate the anniversary of every single record that came out he just wouldn't have time to do anything but start today and bringing it down are super important records for the label um and hardcore (laughs) yeah for hardcore and so it was just a few years ago that the 25th anniversary of this record happened and there was a new pressing of it and you guys were playing uh, around this time and so how did it feel to be like you know man 25 years on this thing that i made and i get to travel around the world and play these songs to these kids and everyone's every night losing their minds, singing along, and, you know, it's got a legacy. So that's got to feel, you know, it's got to hit you at some point, right? You know, not only did it it hit me a ton of times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, I'm, I'm humbled by it constantly, going to places and hearing people's experiences and, you know, what, what a lyric, or two that I wrote how it affected their life and shit. It's like, it's, I mean, I never expected, I mean, where I, where I come from, where I grew up, you know, guys like me are just, we're, we're just like knock around guys. We, we don't go anywhere. We, we work and then we die. That's it. And no one remembers you. And, uh, now because of this thing uh, uh people are going to remember me yeah we won't forget oh yes totally not yeah and it's and like i said it's one of these records where i think people even that kind of get out of hardcore this is still the one they they hold on to yeah you know like they're like yeah i'm not really into hardcore much anymore i'm into whatever but love that judge record you know like <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's got to be yeah it's got to be nuts i can't imagine someone like i'm floored when someone remembers like a band i've done so i just can't imagine something on this on this level where it's had such an influence um and it's just been you know it's it's resonated for so many years and uh people are still into it there's still a kid you know right now that's going to be hearing this record for the first time but i got to say to write an lp that has no bad songs. No that's skippers. Not, no, that's skip, not yeah, a, no skippers. Absolutely. That's not an easy All thing hot, to do. This this record was so fucking hard to pick a hot track. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we can't get into hot tracks yet, though. I know we're not. But I'm okay. just saying, like, that every song is good, uh-huh. and and yeah. there's so many different moods on this record. There's like slower with the storm, and there's fucking raging, and there's like you said, solos, and it's 
it's not all over the place, like too eclectic, but like, yeah, there are different feelings woven throughout this record, which right. is an LP. Well, that's why I was saying that I can put it on really in whatever mood I'm in, because yeah. there's a part of it that's going to cater to that, that mood. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. that, doesn't that suck that like, um, the art of an LP is almost gone. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, we're like a mixtape. We're a mixtape generation. Yeah, and it's weird. Like making kids, Spotify playlists and stuff. You know, we but, all have most of some most of it. Well, uh, some of us in here have kids, right? And we know like they don't care about albums. I mean, maybe your daughter does. Hot like my kids. Oh, I've I've literally like, given her CDs. And I'm like, you got to listen to this whole thing. And then I'll go into a room six months later and it's like still in the shrink wrap and <laughs> just listening yeah. to Spotify, you know? So it's like, this is like an album. This but it was, was Porcel, was this planned out? Like, did you know, I'm going to start the record with the speedback. I'm going to end this record with where it uh, went. I, I, don't, I don't think we, I mean, we just wrote the songs, but you know, when you get into the sequencing a record, that mm-hmm. was like a big deal. Yeah. What song's gonna open side A? What song's gonna open side B? What's gonna close them? You know? Yeah. You gotta put your you gotta put three burners right up front. You know, there was a whole you know, the records back then they really like, you know, they really took you through a journey. Yeah. And it kind of sucks that that's really lost these days. That that was one of my favorite things about going home, buying a record and just sitting down and listening to the whole thing. And like that thing is a body of work oh yes and it takes you it takes you on a journey and i think bringing it down actually did that open up would take me away you know ending with where it went i did a pretty good job of that absolutely did you did you have that moment when you recorded after chung king you're at normandy did you have that moment where you were like fuck yes i'm happy that we went somewhere else yeah. Do yeah. you remember what oh, song yeah. it was? Yeah, like I always ask, like when when you're playing, when they're listening to like mixes, you know, and they're playing them back. That had to be crazy. Like I can't imagine listening to like the mix of, you know, the title track even, or, or just anything, and being like anything less than you know, blown away. Well, when I recorded the guitars, I was like, Tom, how are we going to record these guitars? You know, usually like you know, you go to a studio, you turn on an amp. You stick a mic in front of that amp and you record it. Mm-hmm. Tom Sars is like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to build an amp cabin. I was like, what the hell is an amp cabin? And he's like, you get two Marshall full stacks. You take, and there's, a, there's an art to it. It's almost like a science. You have to take all the four cabinets. And, and so you point these two, you, you point the cabinets all towards each other, but you have to put them at certain angles. So the, the, the sound doesn't, if you point them directly at each other, the sounds will cancel each other out. So I have to, have to put them at such an angle where you actually capture that massive sound of all the air being pushed in one spot. And so we built that amp cabin and man, I remember I was playing and I'm listening to it and I can actually hear it in the next room. And it just sounded so mighty. Like I would hit that chord and it was just like, wow this is going to be an awesome record yes yeah it's huge so is there is there anything you know some of these you know we've talked to the other you know about the bold record and obviously stuff they wanted to change and you know things and other i'm gonna assume there's not a thing you would change about this record right because sometimes we're our own worst critics when you're the person playing on it but like it seems like one of those records where you're like there's nothing i could do to make this any better um I love the record. I mean, it's very reverb heavy, which dates it to the 80s. 
I would maybe take a little bit more of the reverb off the drums and the vocals, but it works. It actually yeah. works. Like all that reverb on the drums made them sound really big. It makes it yeah. sound so huge. Yeah. So probably, probably not. That's one of those records that are, that I really like to this day, I can put it on and I yeah. can actually enjoy listening to it. And for you, Porcel, it sounds different than any other record that you've done. You've played guitar on a lot of records. You've, you know, played in a lot of bands. I think that this record kind of stands alone. And you explaining about taking guitar lessons and, you know, some of the stuff that you did in the studio, it kind of adds a new element to that story of your, like, you know, your body of work, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I definitely worked hard to up my, up my game for that record for sure. And I think it, I, I think it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think what makes a, what makes that record a full record is Purcell wrote all the music. Like there was no way at that, the way Purcell was writing at that point in time, there was no way that I was going to be able to contribute music wise. He was just so far ahead of the game. And that's why that record just sounds so cohesively great is I just, I just think he had an outline from the get go from writing those, writing those songs. Yeah. You can tell it's like we said, you can tell it's not like a slapdash, you know, yeah. thrown yeah. together like, Hey, let's record the first, you know, in this case, nine. So the first nine songs we got shit, we don't have enough. So that's why we're re-recording. I've lost. Like, it doesn't sound like that at all. It sounds like yeah. very deliberate, very uh calculated in, in the best way um go ahead jason oh i was gonna ask mike did you re did you record the vocals with the lights out in the studio at Normandy? oh yeah oh yeah i can't do it any other way can't I, it's just too weird seeing someone looking at you yeah yeah it, it was no, a, it was a it was a it was an interesting time in mike's life because he was sort of transitioning into a biker at that point remember that mike he, I, I think that I think you rode your Harley up to the studio, right? From Rhode Island. I don't remember. I remember you coming in and you had like the bandana on your head and like some kind of weird vest on. <laughs> it was like, no you were going from like youth crew Mike into something like totally different at that point. It was all it was like that interim phase, but it it it. it added a, a, a an interesting dimension to the record i think for sure how long did the band stay together after the recording of bringing it down i don't think um, that long right we just did that one tour yeah just after that, that tour did it was it with bold the tour uh no, some of it was with bold. storming through the west coast yeah we did, we did some shows with bold didn't we no, uh, actually, no, yeah. no. I went on tour with Bold, and then Judge kind of interspersed some shows in on that Bold tour. But yeah, we didn't we didn't tour together. That was a different tour that we did when we did bringing it down. Okay. Besides yeah. uh, holding on and no apologies, were there any other tracks that didn't make the cut? Anything else that you guys had in your back pocket, or was this just you focused on these songs and this is what's going to be the album? Yeah, and was there any thought of putting another cover song on, like if it fit? Um, there was an interesting song. Mike, remember we had that song, it almost sounded like The Who? It went like... Remember that song? 
I we don't. Used to practice it at Don Fury's. <laughs> we wrote it that we wrote it at the same time that we wrote <clears throat> that we wrote the storm. Oh, really? It was like in the Jimmy U days. We, that, that's the only other song that I can think of, Judge, that was like a a song that we worked on that we actually didn't record. Yeah, but it was kind of like really open-ended chords. Like it was almost like the Who, like you could do like this. The Pete Townsend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm kind. Of, I'm actually a little bummed. I always thought there was a great. It was sort of kind of a cool direction. Um, as a matter of fact, like you was kind of written almost in the same style as as that song, but we just ended up never finishing it. Hmm. Like you is a good one. It's a great song. I wanted yeah, to ask like about you. the. Oh. Sorry, Priscilla. Go go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask about the artwork. We talked about it before, but um, there's an article on Double Cross where Dave Betts said he was trying to do uh, his version of like um, London Calling by The Clash by having the photo speak for the you know for the record. It definitely, and I know it's funny. I never put two and two together, and and like once I heard that, I'm like, oh yeah, like it. I ne I never heard that myself. Now that I'm looking at it, I can, I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But, I, like, but I know I know you're stoked on a Porcel because I know you love the Clash. So like that's yeah, London Call is one of my favorite records. Yeah, like that's time. that's pretty. All, I mean, if you're gonna have a nod to someone, may as well have it be the Clash. Yeah. And do you yeah, know who? Oh. oh, I was gonna say, do you know who took the cover photo? Because it just says, it just says uh, photos by Boiling Point. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, was it Tom with the black hair? Tom Boiling Point. Yeah, Tom. Tom Boiling Point. Sweet. Okay. Such an iconic. You know what was color. cool? You know what was cool? Uh, you, uh, we were like, I forget. Maybe Judge was going on tour, or Youth Today was going on tour. I forget. But um, we didn't know what the record was going to look like. I stuffed a bunch of pictures in an envelope, and I sent them to Rev. Yeah. And um, an interesting thing about that, we hadn't we hadn't played a show with Matt Pincus. So that picture of Matt Pincus on the back cover, I hate to tell people, is is actually a staged picture. <laughs> it's from Giant Studios. Remember Giant Studios? Remember they had those big. Yeah. It um, looks that really a staged photo. It looks so good. It was, it was, I mean, yeah, it looks great. A, if Chain of Strength can do it. Why not? <laughs> it wasn't a stage. It wasn't a staged photo, but it was from a practice. Practice, yeah. right? Practice. That's, that's kind of what I, I, I had figured. But yeah, I like. I love the the purple, like the purple and gold. That oh, was yes. uh, that was my high school colors, uh, purple and gold. Which total, me too. Me total, too. Total shinfo, but uh, topical <laughs> of the time. Our future first lady, Dr. Jill Biden, graduated from my high school. So. Go nice. upper Moreland yeah. Bears. Nice. Um, but um, yeah, like the cover and just that photo. I remember just like staring at the the picture of you and you got the the Chuck Taylors on and you know the um, I, I, that's the bold join the fight T-shirt I think right. And yeah. then there's a guy with three hands. Uh, <laughs> I always laughed at that. It looks like a guy has three hands. But Greg, what was the rumor that you heard? So I swear somebody, and I, I asked, I forget if it was, if we were recording or not. I had heard someone say, but then again, I'm so gullible that it was probably just someone messing with me, but they're like, yeah, I heard the Thank pictures you. actually Porcel was just picking up like a guitar pick before like no. set or in between songs. And I'm like, I don't know about that. F no, fake you can, news. Fake you can news. feel the power yeah. of that photo. <laughs> yeah. It's sick. Um, but you want to know what was cool. 
I just, I, I took, I, we had a bunch of pictures and I put them in an envelope and I sent them to Rev. And, you know, it's so funny because, you know, we live in such an information age with the internet now that people don't really understand. Like before the internet, there's no way to get in touch with us. There's no cell yeah. phones. We're on tour. It's not like you can just email a JPEG of what the cover is going to look like and email a bunch of different proofs. Like I sent, I sent a bunch of pictures in and I literally did not see that cover till the record came out. And I had no idea that I was going to be on the cover. I just assumed Mike was going to be on the cover. So when that record came out, I was like, holy crap, I'm on the cover. Awesome. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah, and we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't choose those colors either, right, Purcell? We didn't choose the no, purple. No, no. We didn't yeah. choose anything about the layout. We never saw it. But, so you know, that, that, so that dude. Was a real genius. So that dude who, that chain dude who made that whole bullshit video about we ripped off the Cockney Rejects rejects record for their colors and shit i didn't see that oh my god i'll have to go down a, a wormhole on youtube and yeah yeah he's, he's not going making to up tonight. So, he's <laughs> making up so much stupid shit we had no we we didn't pick any colors we let rev do it all i can't rev picture it any other way rev yeah. didn't even do it dave Betts Dave Betts, like the mm -hmm. genius like said, behind that he's a grammy award-winning he's a great uh, designer. designer yeah um we're actually going to be talking to him uh, no spoilers at some point yeah at some uh, we point. Could, should we cut Spoiler. that out Hoff? We'll, we'll, we'll beep it out yeah. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, be talking cut. Was, yeah. was was mike judge throat was that a nod to bad brains i believe so yeah yeah I didn't do that it's cool yeah and then mike what did you think about seeing the cover being like oh it's porcel on there <laughs> well it's not like he didn't have a few t-shirts and everything else going for him but uh <laughs> no nah, it, it, i was cool with i the first thing I thought, it reminds me of London Calling, so I was down with it. That's rad. I mean, but I there just... Were, there, I, were, there were people who were like, oh, Purcell gets another record cover, so... But I can't imagine it, like, any other way. I mean, you know, just from seeing it and, like... like what are you saying, up, brother? I wouldn't have looked good on the record cover? No! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so to me, like, that, that the guitar and everything, it's just... No, nah, I, I get it. It's strong. It's like... See, I'm the kind of person I've sang for bands, but I would have been the first one too to be like, no, let someone else be on the cover because yeah. that's just how I like. So yeah. I didn't know if it was something like that with you too, where you're like, uh, I'm totally fine with not being on the cover because I'd rather have you know, Porcel on the front. Hey, before we get you into know, hot I, tracks, oh, go ahead. I I just kind of assumed that that picture of Mike was going to be put on the back, the picture of Mike on the back cover because that's such a great picture. It's a good photo. Um. And, That's from CBs, right? And um, but you know, if if we had just thrown that picture on the cover, it probably would have been one of those records that just looks like every other record. But there was something like already about that picture. You know, it's just from the it's from behind, and it's just kind of like not your typical record cover picture. Yeah. That I think actually worked, and it's just a it's a testament to Dave Betts that he had that kind of like artistic eye to to kind of like do something a little bit different. Agreed. Right. It, it makes you want to listen to the record. You see that you see that cover and you're like, I gotta check this record out. Yeah. It's great design work. Um also was there a lot of thought into bringing it down as opposed to bringing it down? Like the uh, the apostrophe on there. Good question. 
I think that was probably Dave Betts too. Did yeah. we come you know, up with that, Mike? I've, ne I've, never, I've never actually thought about that at all. <laughs> it's a great question, though. <laughs> you know what? It's a great it question. It was probably something like this. It was probably Mike put a bunch of handwritten lyrics, you know, from a ripped out of his notebook, and he mm -hmm. just maybe like wrote it there with the apostrophe, and Dave Betts just like took it from his notes or whatever. That's yeah, cool. because even youth of today, you know, youth today, we're not this alone. That no symbol, mm -hmm. it was actually Capo had like he had notes of what he wanted the record cover to look like. And he wrote some sort of instruction and then he circle slashed it, meaning disregard <laughs> this. Don't do this. And they actually took that circle slash and they put it on the record and it became Yo! like our second <laughs> logo. Oh, that's awesome. Really? Yeah, that I is. Thought, that I is just thought you guys logo. are really into Ghostbusters. Yeah, he's like, no, awesome. more, no more of this. No, on the we layout. were like, we were laughing when it came out, but then we were like, Looks sick. Jesus, this is actually kind of cool. Like the no symbol, <laughs> straight edge. It, it, yeah. all, it makes sense. Yeah, makes right. Sense. <laughs> you got lucky because I'm sure that stuff like that's happened before where people have been like, oh my God, no, this is not what I wanted at all. Well, the, something that happens, I think less these days because like Porcel was saying, there was no, you can't send a JPEG over and say, here's the cover yeah. I have. And, and then be stuff, like, no, so. you got to take that out. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Well, gentlemen, Shall we get to hot tracks? Let's do it. Porcel, I'm going to start with you. What is your hot track for bringing it down? Man, I got to say, uh, hmm. I got to really think about this one. Well, let's come back to you then. Jason, okay. what's your hot track? My hot track for this one? I got to say, though, LP is awesome start to finish. No bad songs. Lyrics are awesome. I got to go for the storm just because the opening lyrics, of that song, I see the hate. He keeps coming down like the rain. Look at me. I'm getting drenched. You could put those lyrics over any genre of music and it would still be crushing. So those lyrics are just, I think some of the best ever written. So I got to go for the storm. Okay. Can I go next? Yeah, go. Yeah. Because I was going to say the storm too. And Jason, Wait, the storm I believe, too. No, I was gonna, <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny because I was like, do I save the storm as my hot track for the, for the uh, EP? Yeah. I actually really like the extended version of the storm, maybe even better than the bringing it down version. Cause I thought that was Mike even added some even extra cool lyrics, but to me, the storm lyrics, you can take, freaking bob dylan yeah you can take any song and i think the lyrics of that song are right up there with some of like the greatest rock lyrics ever i, I think that song is like and are the lyrics of that thing are is like poetry it's a masterpiece yeah um so lyrically i i really like that you know probably musically if i you know i'm going to save that hot track for the for the ep because i think mm -hmm. even the extended version lyrics make it even more incredible but my hot track has to be Take Me Away. There is no song that I like playing better than Take Me Away. That intro. Yeah, even before that, even before that chord, the, the feedback that goes into it, it just sounds so like clean and big. And it's not just like you flipped your crappy Marshall on and you get some feedback. It's like intentional, yeah. cool feedback. Um, yeah that almost sounds like, I don't know, 
melodic. It's like melodic feedback. But that it, what, a, what an album opener Take Me Away is, right? That's a banger, man. It I is. love that song. One, easily good, one of the top five hardcore opening tracks, bar none. Yeah, that, that's, my hot, that's my hot track. I got to go with that. Let's go half next. Man, this was rough picking. That's like I've said before, it's like picking a favorite child. And I have a lot of children, so <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to pick, pick a good one. I'm going to have to say my hot track is Hold Me Back. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's that song is live. It's like one of my favorite songs to sing along to with any band, any hardcore band. Um, the like, the kind of like drum fill. Yes, that, that, for the, I was going to say like, that. the last. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's just so good. And, the, and that guitar coming from that drum. Yeah, and just like can't hold me back. Like. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a mantra, you know. I'm, look, like, I'm like going off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm getting pumped just talking about it right now. Like you cannot hold me back. That's like uh, that's something that you could write on a post-it and put on your mirror in the morning to tell yourself like, like I'm I'm ready to fucking take on the world right now, and you can't hold me back. So that's hold me back is not just a hot track; it's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry to have to come after that. I always, I know, I always like drop a, a huge. Bomb, but... Let me tell you, Mike. I've known Hal for a lot of years. He really likes bringing it down. <laughs> I do. I really. I was so stoked to be able to like talk about this record with you guys. It's awesome. Um, that might have been the first like sentence you said to me. Oh, uh, oh! Nice to meet you. Oh, Priscilla, nice to meet you. Bring it down, man! I freaking love that record. <laughs> My age of quarrel. Yeah. Oh, here I think you probably some, said that. Which, here, which one, you want some prasadam? Oh, by the way, I really love bringing it down. <laughs> but what's funny is like I just we just I'm fine with Javier with his opinions on Judge, but we won't talk about like the uniform choice unity again. I'm not high. I promise you, I'm not high. <laughs> Where he tells us that blood days is better than screaming for change. Oh, my God, brother. Dude, why that, you got to blow me up in front of my judge? Come on. That's the, t- that's the tip of the ice. Mike's like, you know, I was really stoked on this dude's opinion. Now I'm, like, not really sure. Oh, man. Mike, do not listen to the episode about <laughs> Please. I already listened to it. I, I, Wait, Supertouch? We haven't gotten to Supertouch. No, yeah, dude. Do you know? do the uh, I listened. To, well, I listened to most of them, but the um, one about the the compilation where yeah. I played on the Supertouch record. Uh huh. Oh, nice. Just want to correct you on a couple things. Oh. I, I I was not kicked out of Supertouch. I left on my own accord. Okay. They gave me a choice. So, that's it. Good. Well, that's the the the. <laughs> Super Touch track was my hot track for both versions of that. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I love that song. It's so song. I'll go to my hot track. Yeah, let's hear it. Where it went. Not because of the podcast name, although that's pretty cool. Um, I just think this song, I love that it's like slower, but it's super powerful. It has that, you know, then it does speed up. Uh, it has the cool lead from Porcel. Mm-hmm. The lyrics hit hard. I remember, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned often one up. We when we did our last show, we'd done that band for like over three <clears> years. <throat> and it was hard to stop doing the band. It was sad. 
because I love those guys, but we knew it was time. And we opened our last show with this song because I just felt lyrically like, you know, the whole, when the show's over, I hang my head and think of all the tales of brotherhood and things we said. Yeah. Like I was feeling that, like I got choked up singing that song because we knew it was the last time we were playing. We played in Philly at the church, you know, had a pretty good crowd. And um, this song just hit perfectly. Although people didn't seem to like go off for it, like I thought. And then mm. we played our own songs and they went off. And I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to open with this Judge song. But it's it's not really, I think, one of the songs. Like, I think if we did like Fed Up or, you know, something it's like that. It's a closer. It's a closer. It's not an opener. I know. That's why we took a risk. But I was yeah. like, what if we came out to the, the you know, the baseline and everything, but. I just think it's a great, yeah, great with the, song. With where it went, I kind of always pictured like Mike having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone and like putting his hand on their shoulder and like what it meant to you, friend, you know, like just really like a real one-on-one -on -one direct like conversation. And I, it's, uh, and the, like you said, the baseline too, starting it out, man, this, it is a, it is a track. It was a, it was a, what they would call nowadays playing with first was a weird flex. Mm, weird yeah, flex. but I've, I've seen videos of Judge where you guys <laughs> open with flex, it, right? Weird flex, okay. Yeah. My kids say that to me. Yeah. yeah, that's what that was. It was like, why would you open with that? But, but it was, like I said, we, we chose it deliberately because it just, it fit the, the mood of like moving on. Like we yeah. knew like this was the end of a, of a chapter. Yeah. Mike. Tell us about your hot track for bringing it down. Mine would be where it went also. Mm. Nice. I just, I, I love the, I love the whole song. I love singing it. It's just such a cool grind and uh, it means a lot. Mike, I mean, I also like you is like pretty special to me also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, like you would be my number two for sure. Yeah, you know well, that was like that was a gutsy more, move. More that song, lyrics, yeah. more great lyrics, more great yeah. lyrics. Yeah, like you. Damn. Yeah, yeah. That, that's probably my would have been my. I had a debate if that would have been my hot track actually. Um, like but, you, what, face rejection. Like yeah, just, I awesome. I don't always do right. Um, oh, yeah. We talked about hot tracks, but Mike, what is your favorite lyrics on the record? Mm. I like oh, the whole record, or just where it the went? whole record, just like. There's like, so many good just, moments. I wanted to know um, you that wrote them, what your favorite lyrics are. I really like the opening lyric of I was thinking of it all. Mm. Fuck yes. Yeah. It's so it's simple, a, but it's, it's like just a cool. Yeah. I mean, it's so great. Too, every time, every time I hear it, I, I think of, it. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, there's something really cool about it. You were know, you listening to like Bob Dylan and Neil Young back then when you were writing those lyrics, was that inspiration for that stuff? Um, I just like those those type of storytellers, man. I just, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, you can tell. That's I, what I, like. a, I definitely caught a lot of grief for it, like people coming up to the van and you know, it's like, oh, Mike Judge, Mike, and then they open it and like I'm listening to Towns Van Zant, you know? Yeah. Uh -huh. like, what the fuck? Is this the same guy? I'm but, like, that makes I mean, sense. That's where that shit comes from, man. It's all yeah. about, like it, it, it's and it makes it like you know, and hopefully we can talk to you about it. I'm a fan of the um the old smoke record, mm -hmm. and it it actually 
it's not as crazy of a leap when you think about it, when you look at these lyrics. And like you said, you're thinking about a Dylan or Neil Young or, you know, that some of the Bruce Springsteen, like Nebraska record. Nebraska. Um, You know, it it totally fits in with that, um, that whole vibe. And you were doing that way, that way of, that way of storytelling is just, it's, that's always been amazing to me. And like, when you feel like, um, I don't know where where you you feel like you're listening to something, somebody, like it's so personal that and this guy is just like pouring it all out. Like I just that that to me is amazing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I That's remember, what this I, I remember um, Mike dragged me to see Neil Young back in the day. Remember, like it was, very, oh, yeah, it was probably yeah. like before bringing it down even came out. And Mike was like, man, you got to go. You'll love this guy, Neil Young. I didn't even know any Neil Young songs. I didn't know anything. I was just like, I'm thinking this is like old music for like hippies or something. I had no mm-hmm. idea. We saw Neil Young in a pretty small club. What club was that? That was the Palladium. Was it the Palladium? Yeah. We had good seats. It was the nice. it was Keep on Rocking in the Free World Tour. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the acoustic one. It was awesome. Yeah. Let me tell you. He was friggin' amazing. I was really blown away by Neil Young. And that guy was like, he was punk. And it was the first time I was really getting into songs like The Needle and The Damage Done. Like he did a real stripped down version of that where you could actually like zero in and hear those lyrics. And it's like, damn, those yeah. are some good lyrics. Heavy. That I just like, yeah. that I just never really absorbed before that night. And I, I had a really like, from that show, I had I had an appreciation of Mike's lyrics from understanding like what mm-hmm. his influence what his influences were. And you can really, cool. I think you can really see it in the Judge LP. Like oh, yeah. you can yeah, to- you totally. can see that influence that isn't coming from it's coming from outside of hardcore. And I always say I think the best you know hardcore bands that only listen to hardcore they don't really make good records. Like true you know like you look at the stuff that we love you know except Minor maybe youth, except maybe youth of today we only <laughs> to yeah and, and there's always an exception but like you figure like minor threat ssd you know they were all still listening to like you know classic rock and you know ian mckay's talked about loving Jimi hendrix the and all monkeys this stuff. like uh. yeah um but there's an exception to the rule because of course youth of today is god godhead level but (laughs) hey you know on this podcast we're all fans of antimatter fanzine and we interviewed norm recently for a bonus episode and one of the things that he was famous for asking his interviewees was do you remember the last time you cried and i always thought that that was such um an interesting way to take hardcore lyrics and extract feelings out of someone that you're talking to in a conversation and um mike do you remember the last time you cried uh yeah it was recently man it was when uh finally felt like we got rid of this president man uh i agree i was just gonna say if he asked me it was yesterday yeah i've i've been watching my wife cry tears of joy jumping up and down watching all the reactions all across the country of people i think to me that that means so it means more is watching everybody else 
feeling comfortable, being happy, whatever, you know, and we don't have to go yeah. on a full political thing, but uh, well, I, it's, I think it's, it's a lot time. of I mean, tears. Yeah. We're, have, we're literally started. recording this like the day after yeah. Uh, yeah. like all this went down. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on it. Like it was incredible. My neighborhood had, you know, my neighborhood, mm. I live in, in a, in the suburbs, but we're in like a working class area, row homes and all different, ethnicities and walks of life and just seeing everybody was outside yesterday uh they were lighting fireworks people were banging pots and pans um you know just singing and and it was incredible and uh yeah i got choked up just seeing everything and in, in a good way at least it was a it was a good cry yeah it feels it's hopeful the for once exactly i mean it's still sad knowing how close it was means I know. that there's so much bad left yeah to uh be uncovered but like there's a least. lot like i said there's a lot of work like like this isn't the this isn't the end this is like uh in you know return of the jedi where at the end everyone's singing and dancing and stuff <laughs> we know we know that there was still a whole other yeah. trilogy after that yeah um well, and, yeah. You know, we, we need gotta, a we need a storm to come yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, 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 but at least like there's hope now. Maybe um, even a firestorm to purify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day a real rain will come. <laughs> but, man, guys, seriously, thank you. Yeah. Um, so awesome. much. I said that the, the, one of the coolest things about hardcore is having these records that were life changing and then being able to talk to people and you know, be friends, like get to talk to Porcel on a regular basis. And he's just mm-hmm. like a stand up friend, like, you know, and Mike, you're like, it's awesome and always super cool to talk to. And um, we're just really appreciative. Thank yeah. you. It means Thanks, a lot. Guys. Like it means more than we can put into words. And like I said, but I figure in these current times, I figure I'll let, let it all hang out. Oh, yeah. Just let you know how Thank much, you time. how much it's appreciated. Oh, we appreciate being uh, thought of, man. Yeah. And uh, I listen to I listen to all those shows. It's, I, I really look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Well, how do we, how do we dive? How do we get back? Mm. How do we recover from that? That was, uh, I'm going to bet now, well, that's the heaviest interview all year for us, but it could be one of the heaviest interviews of all time for us. Um, You know, Mike and Porcel, they're, realness the fact that they are genuine people just like oozes it seeps out of them and i think that we're incredibly fortunate to have been able to talk to those two about this album 
completely agree. Like yeah. I, you know, this, I always talk about my rev top. I mean, this is, this could be tied for number one for all I care. It's, this isn't, and we talked about it in the interview, this is an album. This isn't yeah. just, they didn't just go and say, we got nine songs, we're throwing on this record and fuck it. No, they did not do that. It flows, you- the sequencing, like everything about it is perfect. Like yeah. there's really nothing like I would, there's no, no skippers. As Javier always says, there's nothing on it I would change. It's, it's my favorite judge stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to have seen where they went from here. Like I know they did a, the seven inch after. I love the storm too. We'll talk about that. I do too. Uh, um, um, but I just think this is like, I mean, it is like, I can see why you say this is your age of quarrel. Cause it's, yeah. it's to me, it's, just as good as the age of quarrel. And today I was driving around. I'm I'm super tired today. I worked out this morning with my coach and I just, you know, I'm feeling I'm not feeling down, but I'm like low energy. And I was driving around my town trying to catch some Pokemon, tried to go to the Warhammer store and it was closed. Like all my nerd shit was happening, but kind of failing also. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to the judge 88 demo because I needed to get into the headspace of like, I didn't just want to listen to bringing it down again for whatever reason today. And so I really wanted to critically listen to that, those four songs on the 88 demo, which I don't think that it's on YouTube. I think that you're going to have to find some way to download it or. If yeah. The, the bringing the demo. So what they did, it's, it's on the vinyl. Is so it? the vinyl discography oh, is the, on there. The double, the double, the, du- the double, which I think might be out of print or going out of print. So uh-huh. I would, I would definitely hit that up if you can, if you don't have it. Um, and then maybe it's on the digital download of it, which I should probably check. Well, I got um, it from Blogged and Quartered. Okay. Um, send with me a that. couple of live. <laughs> I did send it to you guys. And um, did he, Jason? Uh, I did the the idiot demo. I also, you know what? I'm going to drop it into our, we have a discord server for um, patrons and I'm going to drop that into the discord this week. Great. um, For all of our, the discord's been pretty fun. Discord's popping off. It's good Um, conversations. And we welcome more people. If you subscribe to our Patreon, um, any level gets you access to the discord and, um, you know, I'm still learning how to navigate it. Yeah, and I don't know if eventually, here. I don't know if eventually we'll make like folders or just keep it as general. Uh, it's fine. But it, yeah, it's, like it, it's not too, it has a good traffic. flow. Like, yeah, yeah the, tra- the, the traffic's not too heavy in there. But um, we're, we talk about stuff that uh, I think people would find interesting. So, so okay. I listened to the 88 demo today and you know, it, it's super interesting when you're just so used to hearing a version of a song and then you hear a different version of the same song and you're, you're thrown off a little bit. And a lot of times it's not successful. You know, the, the re-recording of songs um, on the antimatter episode that was for our patrons, we talked about Undertow and Undertow on one of their records re-recorded two songs outspoken did a record where you know on the cd version they re-recorded a couple songs i don't like 
any of those redone versions. I love the original versions. But the 88 demo, there's a few different vocal patterns. There's a few different lyrics. There's a few different backups. Um, and it's really cool to hear. It sounds great. The, the, ver the copy that I have sounds great. And I almost wish that there was a seven inch, I'm just throwing it out there into the world, a seven inch version, four song version of the 88 demo. I think that I agree. it would be great to have there's, on vinyl. There's sit, Rev sitting on, you know, in, in a perfect world, what they would do is, I, th I think they mentioned repressing the New York crew seven inch. Mm -hmm. um, but in a perfect world, they would do sort of like they did with Turning Point and, you know, have the LP repress the storm for people that don't have that. Okay, listen. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna eat my words right now because they are available on vinyl, as you said. They are on the B side of the double twelve inch. Okay. So that's good to know. If anybody can track that down. I had it. I think I sold it because I had, you know, I I don't know, for whatever reason. See, I had the C D and the C D only had one of those songs on uh -huh. it. Uh-huh. And then now I have the vinyl, but yeah, the the where where what it meant the complete discography it's got new york crew ep chunking can suck it lp dawn fury demo bringing it down and it says there will be quiet ep it doesn't say the storm 2 on here it says there will be quiet well it was EP. never called the storm 2 storm 2 is the song really? yeah yeah storm 2 is the song the, the 7 inch was always referred to as the storm yeah well here it says it's called there will be quiet I mean, that's, EP. That's what it says on that's the record too. What? There will be quiet mm -hmm. or the storm seven inch? There will be quiet. Mm. I'm going to need some clarification on this. Anyway. Um, so yes, those four songs are on there, um, but I wish that it was its own seven inch. Uh, I think that it'd be cool. And um, it, those, it, it, you can hear the, the like, rawness and the fury in mike's voice yeah yeah all right greg has the so i went to, <laughs> oh, I went to the archives uh-huh I, I went to the uh the and it does say there will be quiet well you know what i've always but, maybe hold on i didn't flip it over yet my friend right. after the storm see i've always just referred to this record maybe in my own head as the storm too okay so that's, that's fine because I, I refer to it as the storm seven inch. Okay, see, yeah. so which I don't want to. I was about to give like a fun fact about this, and I was like, nope. Yes, yeah, no, it. you got to save it. But I'm excited we get to talk to Judge again about yes. the storm and, and then really, the discography and the discography. And I we didn't get too much into Mike disappearing and like judging old smoke, baby. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone is wondering why we didn't touch base on that, that's something that we're going to tackle in the future. But I do have to say that there will never ever be another judge there will never be another mike judge yeah and there will never be another judge this is a important band you know very I, important i think that unfortunately in this age of the internet yeah everyone is accessible exactly it's less common for there to be characters um mm -hmm. colorful characters and i don't mean character in like a comic book way but like especially that first wave of new york hardcore 
and maybe like the youth crew from California. Like there mm-hmm. were characters, right? There was um, Ratbones and Pat Dubar and yeah. like all these people <laughs> Rabies. across the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and now it's just not as common to find characters. And it's because I think there's less mystery because everyone's accessible. I yeah. agree. Like you got to keep in mind, like when we, all of us got into Judge, Judge was a mystery. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Judge was this like, you know, we knew Purcell. Purcell uh-huh. was still around. You know, yeah. We, we followed his his trajectory. Sammy um, was kind of out of it for a little while. Sammy was playing in reggae bands and rock bands. Well, yeah. but then he was in Civ by 95. So like. Yeah, and, but then like. What what about between Civ and Glassjaw? Yeah, right. Was he? No, he didn't do World's Fastest Car. You're right. Yeah, I, I mean, he was he was doing stuff. I'm not. He I'm did not, the stuff with Brian. I'm not saying actually, he didn't remember? do stuff, but he, his yeah. presence wasn't as prolific I know as before and after that period in between Civ and and everything you ever wanted to know about Silence. It just there's not a yeah. lot of output there. So well. Well, the second Civ record was 98, so. But it didn't seem like the they didn't seem like they had interest in revisiting the past just yet. Yes. You know what I mean? And I didn't. It wasn't far enough in the rear view. Yeah, it wasn't far enough in the rear view exactly that it would be a possibility for Judge to play a show. Or for, Mm -hmm. for, I mean, Youth of Today, they did those reunions in 99. Yeah, and, and that right. blew my mind. When and they, that was Sammy. Sammy was drumming yeah. then. Did they and play Tim between? Brooks. Did they play between '99 and what was it? 2011. Oh yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, One Up played with them in 2004. Was that the Posi- Positive Numbers Festival? No, that was Knife or Death Fest, and that was Ken Olden on bass. Uh-huh. Sam- Sammy drummed, uh-huh. and then you know Rain Porcel, and then they played sporadically. I think. Um, you know, here and there, a lot of times overseas. But yeah, Judge, on the other hand, was like, I never in a million years thought I would say I saw a judge. I definitely never in a million years thought I'm going to have a, a, a conversation with Mike Judge. Yeah, sure. for sure. And no. I'm super grateful because Judge, Judge are super important to me still. Yeah. Um, you know, and important to a lot of people. And I think it's a it's a testament to the music is great but i think it's mike it's the the way mike's honesty and mike's lyrics really shine through and i know i said in the interview i believe that like these lyrics are just as emotional as like a you know a rites of spring or an embrace mm-hmm. um you know it's somebody really really just exposing themselves and uh you know being vulnerable and you know i i I tell people they're not just some you know hard edge band or something like that like there's so much more to judge yeah and i was glad to get to talk to mike and um you know have him speak his mind and kind of get inside of what the process was like for this record because it's it's fantastic i could listen to it every day and i'd never get tired of it yeah. As soon as that feedback and then the intro for, uh, you know, take me away. Yeah, that feedback's like the horns. It's almost yeah. like the horns. It makes it me is. feel the same way that the horns do, but it, the horns make me happy, 
the take me away intro makes me want to just like rob a bank. Yeah. It's, I don't know. And, and you know, it's, it's just a testament. It's a testament to how good the record is that they can still play shows. And I mean, they have what, like 15 songs. Yeah. You know, and, and people are into it because it's, it's just that good. And that's a good set. That's a good set list. Even if they played all of their songs, but I know that they leave some out Mm because they're not, I don't know, man, judge live. Uh, I think the first time I saw them was it was Judge and Gorilla Biscuits in Orange County. I don't remember what wow. year, but um, insane. It was an unreal experience. Like I never thought, like you said, I'd be able to in a live setting just fucking hold both of my hands up in the air and say back, can't all be back. Like just like uh, <laughs> I know. I know. And, you know, one of the things that I love, too, is like around the LP era, you see Mike, you know, he's wearing flannel. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't look like a typical youth crew. In quotes. Not at all. And I no. love that. I yeah. love that he, you know, and, and I have to say, like, as, you know, he was influential. I was talking about this with you, Jason, like, as like a, a he had a whole different kind of stage presence. Like, he yeah, was like stalking the stage. Right. He wasn't capo, you know, jumping, jumping around yeah, or, no. or anything like that. He's like a bigger guy, which, you know, for me too, I liked knowing that like, yo, you can still like, you know, you don't have to be like, you know, doing like toe touches or whatever yeah. like the capo does, which is awesome. But they had a whole vibe because it wouldn't work for judge if they had somebody that was like, you know, some like a Kevin Stead. Yeah, like it's not gonna work. <laughs> it's not gonna work, and and yeah. that's why to me, Judge, perfect band, mm. perfect band, and yeah, um, to me, this should be starter pack hardcore. Like sure. bringing it, it down, it bringing it down should be on the same you know level as a Minor Threat or Start Today. Yeah, or I like think it Count is. Me Out Permanent, like something like Thank that. you, <laughs> or One Ten for some people. Yeah. But Thank yeah, no, I, I just like, I, I, I wish I was thinking too, like, I wish I had like a cool story about like the first time I heard the record, like sort of like with Gorilla Biscuits. And I don't like, I just feel like, and I mentioned this before, but I just feel like I've always had judge, like mm-hmm. they've always been there. So I, I don't even remember my entry point. I just know that I've been listening to it for well over half of my life. Yeah yeah um i would say my intro to it my intro to judge if i can kick it kick it yes you can uh lost and found cd no apologies Uh, yeah on the back of it it tells the story of the last show that judge played on their tour in florida and mike and porcel driving back Uh uh-huh uh to new york and mike saying that he wanted to quit the band uh-huh. Yeah. So that was always in the back of my head, even before I heard "Bringing It Down," and I was more familiar with that CD. Then I got "Bringing It Down" on tape, yeah. And that's when I was really getting into Straight Edge. Uh-huh. And when I heard the directness of the lyrics, I was just real amped on that. But also, kind of, it it took me back for a second. And then, you, know, I think we went and even rewound it and listened to that 
same song again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the seven inch was like a gun at your head. Yeah, like the seven yeah. inch I remember was really jarring just because it's so over the top yeah. in your face. And you know, in the episode we talked about that and why that happened. But the LP was a lot more introspective and a lot more, you know, Mike just dealing with his his shit, you know, and yeah. um, it really comes through. Um, that's all I got. Yeah, it's a great record. Everyone should know this record. I'm sure if you've gotten this far through the podcast that you know and you love this record, but if for some reason yeah. you don't or you maybe you have like your little brother or a good friend that's getting into hardcore and they're looking for something, they're looking for the next thing to get into, they should little brother or little sister. Little brother or little sister, yeah. Or yeah. little any little any yeah. get it down. Well, anything else about bringing it down? I could go on, but (laughs) people people don't want to hear us. They want to hear the interview. So we made it this far. Well, um, we have uh, one last thing at the end of this. You're going to hear a song from Terror. So please listen to that. And then... And know that Terror, a band like Terror would not exist if it weren't for a band like Judge. That's right. Yeah. So then what's the next episode that we have coming up for the Where It Went podcast? Um, oh, so I believe next time we are talking to Dave Bett, mm-hmm. Grammy award winning mm-hmm. designer, Dave Bett, uh, mm-hmm. about, you know, his work with Revelation mm. um, with uh he did he did this judge lp he did uh-huh. gorilla biscuit start today uh-huh. i believe he did the way it is right he did uh-huh. yeah um and uh he did so, the chunk king can suck it uh-huh. yes so we're gonna we're gonna talk to dave bet which i'm i'm excited about yeah sounds great something Very a little exciting. new and different yeah. yeah all right well everybody thank you so much for listening we really appreciate coming on this ride with us and we'll see you next time bit of bow bit of bow yo
What's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. Just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top tier patrons. Asshole Billy, Brandon Gavell, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Dirk Focused, Ed Goodlife, Greg Jackson, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate of Head to Wall fame, O'Neill, The Horse Fucker, Siren Records, Tim Shear, and Mike the Mosher. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, I highly recommend you check out our website, whereitwentpodcast.com. We do a bunch of cool stuff for the patrons and all that. So yeah, check it out. But at Bo, we'll see you next time.